was watching Ben Chilwell pull his hamstring and then carried the tunnel and he was practically dead yeah she's 20 I passed away like that, that word was used oh, it's, a, it's a tragedy subscribe now to the OTB football podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB sports app the Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Top pocket goal! It's what dreams are made of. They are going to the World Cup Finals! Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Koi Gig Podcast. I'm Kathleen McNamee and joining me is former internationals Karen Duggan and Emma Byrne. Karen, you have returned to us after a little break last week after the end of the season. How are you feeling? Very, very mellow after my nice uneventful trip to Amsterdam. Very mellow. That's good. That's all that we like to hear. (laughs) Um, It was a big weekend of WSL action with Manchester United's winning streak finally being broken. Tottenham versus Everton being postponed due to a waterlogged pitch, which is the height of professionalism that we love to see in the WSL, and Arsenal going a record 14 games unbeaten. Emma Carroll will be along shortly with her team of the week, and then we will have full analysis on the weekend's games. The Koi Gig Pod and OTB Sports is an association with Cabri FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. To kick us off, though, thought it would be kind of nice to look at the action closer to home with Shelbourne doing the double over the weekend with a 2-0 win. Karen, you were there. A fair result? Ooh, um, I, yeah, a fair result in that Shelburne are a more clinical team. Um, I thought Athlone outperformed them in the second half, but they kept a clean sheet and they were kind of professional. I think the early goal was a real killer for Athlone. I think if Athlone had stayed in the game until half time, I think it was just too big of a hill for them to climb in the second half. Um, but they gave a really, really good account to themselves and Shelburne just did enough. Um, they've had a really long season and to do the double is no mean feat. So uh, it, it's understandable that their performance levels maybe weren't as good as we were expecting. But like I said, professional job done um, and that was kind of just the difference between them they just managed the game a little bit better yeah I thought if Athlone had more options in attack and if they were able I suppose that goal as well that was disallowed somewhat controversially it would have been interesting to see what would have happened to the game had that been allowed Emma did you catch it I, I caught the highlights I mean you're trying to catch up in like 10 games but I caught the highlights and I read the reports um, it just it's a shame really talking about goals conceded and mistakes which happened yeah. over the weekend quite a lot but um, also some decisions were a little bit dubious very um, dubious I would say I mean the free kick for the first goal yeah not a free kick. that wasn't a free kick it, it wasn't was a free kick and then you're talking about a potential onside and it, they're the fine margins you know yeah um, but it is a pity to be talking about that and be talking about a goalkeeping error like you say yeah I mean for me too goalkeeping errors goalkeeping well we have to talk about how they set up they were on the six yard box that's exactly what I was thinking I was looking and the free kick is like a good what 30 35 yards yeah, out and Athlone set up and they set up initially all right just inside their box and then they just kept dropping off dropping off and by the time the free kick was taken they were literally on the six yard box making it impossible for Coombs to come out and and control that area so that was the first mistake um but yeah a lot little, little mistakes and it's a yeah. shame really because Athlone were actually really good they're very impressive it's actually the first time I've seen them play so quite impressed with them yeah I think if Athlone keep that group together they'll continue to grow as a team because you know other teams are going to 
say the Dublin teams, I think there'll be a bit of movement around there as there always is, particularly with Rovers coming into the league. Yeah, we were talking about you last week, Karen, you're, were your ears burning? No, they weren't. I <laughs> <laughs> mean, it wasn't the first thing you did whenever the podcast dropped on Tuesday morning was listening and see all the wonderful things we said about you. <laughs> no, not quite now, guys. No, I said I'd leave you, leave you at it for one week. I think you did a great job. I'm going to pretend you did a great job anyway. I don't know. <laughs> Well, we won't put you on the spot. We'll we'll move on. Move on from that point. Move on. Move on. What quick. is the likelihood of Athlone being able to keep that team together? Because obviously when a team performs that well over a season, other people are going to come look at them. If players want to go to Dublin, whether it's for work or college or something, and other bigger teams come calling, it must be tempting enough to move away. Even some of the bigger teams out west. I think they're lucky in that they're they have a lot of girls who are kind of Midlands based and they're kind of good centre point for people I genuinely think it all depends on what Rovers can offer I mean they're going to come in with big they're going to come in with contracts and professionalism and all the rest of it which is great to see but is also quite threatening for for teams like Piemont who don't have that same backing but Athlone have a pretty good backing they're, they're an unbelievable fan base there yesterday so I think it would take a lot to move girls away from them after that season like they'll feel really confident and really happy with how they performed and I think it won't be this year that I'd see people leaving I think they'd like to see if they can progress and continue to break into the the top three spots we'll, we'll say yeah and they seem to have built a great atmosphere in the club just in terms of like the support and there's a real unit going on there you know it's not like one or two people who are pulling them through it very much seems like a team effort the other thing we have to mention for this week is obviously it is a international break. Team are off to Sunny Marbs to get a little bit of training in. And then we also have the uh, match against Morocco at the end, well, on the 14th, so it's next Monday, I think, which is, it's unfortunate in the fact that it is far away and also it's behind closed doors, so no fans will be able to get in and see it. What? Will Vera Powell be looking to learn from the squad for this international break? Is this more a settle everyone down after qualifying for the World Cup and start like refocusing attention? Or is it an opportunity for some players to start chipping away at that her very solid starting team and say, hey, I want to go to Australia next year? <laughs> um. Well, first of all, we could go. I mean, there's nothing stopping us. We can report from from the sidelines. I believe there's a, a fence around the pitch that is not um, too much security around there. Um, no, I think that Vera will be looking at this. Yeah, it will be a come down again from, from qualifying. But I do think it's time to start trying to play football going into uh, the World Cup, you know, everybody has spoken about how, yes, it was brilliant to get there, but they're going to have to be able to build up from the back. They're going to have to be able to play. They're going to have to be able to keep the ball. And Mm -hmm. I think this starts now. And I think that's, you know, playing against Morocco, they should be able to do that. However, I did say that when they played against the Philippines and they didn't manage to do that. So I'm hoping that this is the start of it and this is where they start working on that building through the thirds um, and, and getting results because they still have to, you know, keep that momentum going and still build that confidence. And I think it's like, it's going to be hard for them to get up for this camp um, just after the high of the, the last one. So it's kind of good that they're getting it over and not over and done with, but kind of over and done with in a way in November rather than waiting for next year. Cause like you say, you want the momentum high 
at, from the get-go of next year. And it is an opportunity for some people. I mean, in particular, Erin McLaughlin getting her first call-up. I was obviously delighted to see that she plays with us um, and she's quality. So the more experience she gets, the better I think she's potentially going to put her name in the hat, which is huge, obviously. And Yeah, I was going to ask you to tell us a bit more about her because obviously you play alongside her. What yeah. earned her that call-up? Oh, she's just quality, like she, beyond her years and um, her balance on the ball and she's willing to take players on and just kind of a different kind of aspect to midfield. She works really hard as well. Um, she kind of, she's not, I'm not going to compare it to Denise, but like she is that kind of player. Box, she can do box to box and she can score goals. So um, yeah, and she can play on the wing as well. She's really, really versatile. So I just think it's good to have more attacking options. I think we're fairly stacked in defence. Um, but when we need to change games, it's good to have more people like her in the squad, people who are confident on the ball, particularly now that maybe Ellen Malloy, obviously, and Jessu aren't in the mix. I think she can kind of fill that gap that they're leaving. So do you guys think there's no harm in the fact that this is a camp that's maybe a bit more under the radar? I know like whenever the World Cup draw was announced, the FAI were quite open in the fact that they hadn't really planned for anyone for this international window and they were kind of going around and being like, does anyone want to play <laughs> so that we have a game for this? Do you think it's not the worst thing in the world to suppose give the squad to ground themselves? And I especially maybe in the context of the way everything ended with the qualification and all the controversy and how much... Uh, there was, I suppose there wasn't really any time for the squad to kind of come together and just like process everything because it was all go, go, go straight off the bat between qualifying and also everyone talking about them. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing. And personally, I would, if I were in that squad, I would appreciate this kind of meetup. Plus it's in the sun, so it's a little bit of a treat as well. Um, But yeah, I do think it's a good idea because I think it's time to try these new players, give them a chance, um, as well as try to work on what you are expecting your team to do next year in the World Cup. Um, And that's, that's the best way to do it. And perhaps the next game... Definitely want to see a game in Tala again so, you know, the supporters can go and appreciate, you know, the fact that they've qualified. I think the girls deserve that. They just because yeah. we haven't heard much from them because of that. They haven't been allowed to. Yeah, which I think is such a big shame, by the way, because, um, you know, there's, there's been text congratulations and, you know, we're in a group, me uh, and Karen, and we've sent our congratulations, but we haven't really had a chance to um, applaud them or appreciate them. And the only way to do that is, is a game in Tala. But this particular game, I think, is a good idea because they're they're going to be away in Spain. Uh, it's just the first time they've got together since then. Things need to settle down a bit within the team as well. And it's time for them to work hard mm. and work hard behind closed doors. So, yeah, it's a good idea. And a final quick thought on the other big news that broke during the week, which was the introduction of a Women's Nations League. We have followed the path of the man card. I can see your face already. <laughs> it's looking delighted at the idea. Um, there was a lot of shockwaves sent out when this was announced because it had been on the cards, but I don't think UEFA had really told anyone they were planning it. A lot of top leagues, a lot of top clubs have already voiced concern over the fact that the amount of games is going to go up significantly. What were your thoughts when you heard it 
I'm gonna go with Karen first because she made such a face. I just I wasn't it. expecting it. I I kind of just I know there had been rumblings of it, but it kind of just was like, oh, we're doing this now. I feel feel like there should have been more of a, I don't know, just more chat about it in advance. Um, and I think all the concerns that we have, obviously, being that middle tier, are very valid. Um, especially considering just how much we benefited from playing teams of a higher caliber going into our qualifiers. So obviously it's going to reduce that opportunity for those kind of friendlies. Um, look, if we, if we win our group and we get promoted, I'm sure it'll be a good thing and we'll start mixing it with the big teams. But as it stands, it just, it's not, I don't think it's fantastic for Ireland in general. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really good idea and I actually think it works with the the men's team. I'm kind of sick of looking at kind of non-entity games, like just friendlies. I don't really have much interest in it. Um, Obviously, Ireland I do, but the other... And I also think think it puts a bit more pressure on the managers because a lot of managers, not Vera, but a lot of managers will choose weaker teams so they can look good and they can keep their rankings high and things like that. So I think in that perspective, I think it's a good idea because it puts them under pressure. They have to play these games. It is very valid in the rankings and qualifications and what seed you're going to go in. Um, I like the idea because I love watching football and it just gives another structure for us to to look at. But as you said, Kathleen, it's not good. I don't think it's good for the players. The amount of games they have to play is crazy. Mm. If you're involved in the Champions League, it's near impossible. Plus, we aren't the same as men. The women aren't the same as men. To you know, we they get injured. That the ACL injury at the minute in the WSL has completely exploded. It's gone out of the roof. Like it's just something that we need to look into. And personally, I think it's the overuse of players. Um, too many games in such short concessions and I don't think uh, that's and that's what I think as well is because I, I do like the element of competition like you said but it, will it mean that managers are less because they want to win are managers going to be less likely to kind of tinker around with their teams and you know give players game time because it will all go towards their their ranking and they'll want to win something I don't know um, mm. yeah I think the biggest concern is the, the number of games like you say and the, the potential threat to Clubs, clubs won't be happy. I mean, they're paying their wages. Well, we have no choice now because it's been decided and we're just going to have to go (laughs) along with it. But we will see how it all goes out. And Emma, you mentioned ACLs. We will have a special episode next week talking about ACLs and just generally giving a bit of insight from people much smarter than the three of us about what actually (laughs) happens when all these ACL injuries are occurring. Uh, Coming up next on the show, we have the wonderful Emma Carroll with her latest team of the week. But before then, we wanted to remind you of the competition. We are still running. Still have lots of money to give away. Thanks to our partners at Cadbury. We're supporting Irish women's grassroots football and giving away all the net profits from our most recent Cadbury Roadshow in Vicker Street. We're giving you the opportunity to win €1,000 worth of equipment for your local grassroots adult club. For your club to be in with the chance to win, contact us with your club details and contact information at thecoigigpod at offtheball.com. Terms and conditions apply. Head over to otvsports.com for more. And we are back with Emma Carroll and her latest team of the week. There was a few rumblings in the group chat whenever this team came through. So Emma, I will let you take it away and dive straight in and we will let everyone have their say. It's fairly attack heavy this week, let's be honest. Um, Zinsberger in goal, McCabe, Catley, Bright, 
and Esme Morgan at the back, Brighton, Mannon, James, and then a front three of Hempcare and Dan Carter. Very attacking. Um, Emma Byrne, <laughs> I'm going to go straight to you because it's, that's I know vintage, you have a, a thing or two to say. <laughs> I mean, I was surprised, I have to say. I'm just a little bit surprised to see Bright in there um, <laughs> because I thought she, I mean, she did okay, but, and she did set up Sam Care, so I know she's got some good things but she was like miss kicking back there. She was slicing the ball. She probably should have scored an own goal. She was very lucky not to score an own goal. So I was a little bit surprised to see her in there. And actually I would have probably put Neve Fahey in there because even though actually all of my players that I would have put in were on losing teams. I don't know what that <laughs> says, but um I thought Nephi was brilliant. Like she was just rock solid. And actually she got even better when she was getting more frustrated. You could see that she was getting really annoyed in the second half. Things you love to see. And she was just going in there like... Irish players getting frustrated or performing better. You'd never see it. (laughs) So good. So yeah, Bright for me wouldn't have gone in there. But I do like Esme Morgan in there. I thought she's she's good. She's going to be a really good player, by the way. Yeah. Um, Lauren James... Is ridiculous, by the way. Say, yeah, ridiculous. She's yeah. just so talented. It's unreal. She's and She's annoyingly talented. She doesn't even look like she's trying. Oh, yeah, exactly. She looks like she's walking around the pitch. Yeah. Um. And how did you feel as a United supporter when you saw her slide on her knees and kiss the Chelsea badge in front of the supporters? I wouldn't be into the badge kissing in general now, to be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was that a surprise. Like that that surprised me a little bit, actually. You yeah. don't normally see players do that, do you? No, I don't think there's much need for it. Like everybody who was watching was like, I can't believe she did. I was like, she got carried away, leave her alone. She just got a bit carried away. But then I was like, <laughs> you just don't do that. Yeah. She's kind of starting to become nailed on now. It's like every week's like, okay, I'll, I'll fit her in somewhere. <laughs> so she's midfield this week none of the goalkeepers yeah. were that impressive this week why don't I put Lara James in there <laughs> Terry and Em yeah. might happen it's, um, I mean I do love her I would love to see her in another league to be honest because I think this league really suits her but I'd love to see her where she has to work very hard like in the first half didn't see much of her really because herself and Galton kind of cancelled each other out a little bit. Uh, but the second half, she was just incredible. Um, I'd love to see her in the Spanish League, actually, to see how she get on because the Spanish League is just full of talented players skillfully. Um, but they don't work very hard. This is the problem with the Spanish players. And I'd like to see her in there where she's surrounded by all that talent to see, does she actually stand out? I do think she's quality though. She's a very good player. Would she fit into a Barcelona team? Oh, this is a discussion. (laughs) Actually, I was having this debate with uh, a Barca player actually and she's very similar to Mariona Mariona Caldenti. Very, very similar player. But I actually think Marion is better. I think she's a better player than her. So no, I don't think she would get her game. That's it. She wouldn't get her game for Barca. Um, probably going to get slated for that. Um, the rest of the team, yeah, really good. Wrighton, I probably would have put Lisa Evans in there. I thought she was absolutely brilliant. Um, even though, again, she's a game. What a game. Inside, crazy game. But I, every time she got the ball, something happened. Yeah. So I thought she was brilliant. But yeah, yeah, I thought... Um, Hemp really stepped up like for her city this week. She just 
was relentless for them. Um, Reading also and- just didn't defend her at any point, though. Like, yeah. she was very good, but she was also given acres of space consistently. Yeah. I mean, poor Manum. Manum is becoming the the main woman, isn't she? She's brilliant as well, isn't she? Yeah. She's a fantastic midfielder. Her runs into the box, her passing, the vision. She's absolutely brilliant. And I just think she just fits in really well in there. Yeah, she's a really classy player. Yeah. Emma, who was your standout player out of your full 11? Probably Lauren James. I just love watching her. <laughs> I just like last season I think it was like hemp I just enjoyed her every single week and Lauren James is becoming that again this season just just a joy to watch mm, I thought Carter was an interesting name to in there not one that we see all that often yeah I think her like Brighton got just hockeyed out by Spurs and then they managed to hold on in a like absolute crazy game but you probably you need your experienced players like Dan Carter to bounce back from something like that and she got two goals as well so I think she deserved a shout seems yeah she's not a player that we usually talk about anymore so she's, just, she still exists just drop her drop her and then the next game she'll be quality so she <laughs> plays every second game <laughs> she was quality yeah Dan's brilliant yeah. but yeah good Zinsberg are keeping another clean sheet as well she made two very good saves and there was a weekend of calamities for a lot of keepers wasn't it so yeah, yeah, she did really well. Berger did very well as well. That save was very good. Mm-hmm. The deflection, so. Yeah. Well, Emma, thank you once again for your team of the week. We will see you back again after the international break. You may even meet a surprise appearance next week with something special for us if we're lucky. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well... Since we last talked, it was a pretty bonkers week in general with managers leaving literally minutes after we finished recording last Monday. Uh, and after us saying the Hope Powell probably wasn't going to get fired, it was announced that she was leaving Brighton. And then they had an absolutely mental game this weekend, a 5-4 win against West Ham. And it wasn't the only crazy result of the weekend. Emma, you finally got your Chelsea-Manchester United match that we've been talking about for weeks and United did not stand up to the task. Karen is shaking her head very, very ruefully. I think we'll start with West Ham Brighton because it was just so mental. Uh, West Ham four, Brighton five. It was three one to Brighton after just like twenty minutes. Say it got two goals in two minutes for Brighton. It, but towards the end, it was it was one of those games where I was like, literally anything could happen, and I will not be surprised. What was it for? Was, is this a losing your manager bounce for Brighton? Was it just one of those hectic games where everyone forgot that defence existed? (laughs) It was an opposition goalkeeper calamities, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I hate speaking about goalkeepers' um, mistakes, but unfortunately, that's exactly what we need to speak about. (laughs) Um, It was a shame because um, Hilliard, Hilliard came in doesn't normally start for them and you could see it she doesn't have the experience does she and she completely messed up for three I'd say three of the goals anyway first and the third in yeah. particular for the penalty she just yeah fumbled it 
It's yeah. just it's hard to watch. It was hard yeah, to watch. It's hard Exciting for us, but <laughs> <to watch. laughs> it was. And you know, it's a shame because I actually feel really bad for Hope Powell because imagine you as a manager or a coach leaving a team and the next week them them scoring five goals and winning. I mean, and it wasn't anything to do with hope, I don't think. I just think Brighton got the look of the draw um, mistakes. They capitalised on it. Dan Carter playing extremely well. She was dropped the week before. I think she was just, you know, proving her point, basically. Um, but, you know, they made huge mistakes at the back as well, Brighton. It was just one of those games. It was just craziness. Yeah. And I don't I feel think, like it was a performance that really th- you think that Brighton are turning it all around. Not really. But I mean, the the idea of winning might change their attitude a little bit. They might put it. I mean, if you look at Reading, how they're going, they're only going backwards and they're going down, whereas Brighton might you know, get together a little bit, that, that win might galvanise them a little bit. But in general, I can't see them, you know, really improving as such. But they do have the players. They have some players that can turn things around a little bit. So I'm hoping that is the turning point for them. But West Ham... Just in the poor. context of that, like, end of the table, those three points are going to be so important for Brighton going forward. I mean, Leicester yeah. bottom on nil and then Liverpool Reading three, Brighton six, West Ham nine. So the fact that they're doing mm. that against a near rival will definitely serve them well later down. Huge, huge. Yeah. I mean, West Ham were poor as well. I just, if the game had gone on another five, 10 minutes, I do feel West Ham would have won though. They scored a chance at the end to make it five. <laughs> I mean, Megan Walsh as well. We're talking about goalkeeping errors. Like they just seem to lose their minds. This yeah. just something <laughs> happened. Guy Fox has just come in and messed up all the goalkeepers, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> yeah, but West Ham yeah. won't be happy conceding five at home. Like that's, no, shocking. Pretty shocking, actually. Yeah. And they're dropped down, as you said, Kathleen. So, you know, they can't afford to be losing these games at all. No, and it's kind of, it's interesting to think about, like, where do Brighton go from here? Like, who will they get in to replace Opal? How do you steady that ship? Because at the moment, it does just feel like hectic no one really knows what they're doing, which is slightly different to what we said last week. Last week, we said they all lost their heads and just looked a bit lethargic, whereas this week, it just looked like everyone was kind of running around, didn't really know how they were set up or what they were supposed to be doing and just taking the chances when they came. Yeah, I mean, I did think they were a little bit better organised. I thought Alma in midfield played really well. She seemed to be sitting back and kind of holding that midfield. She did all right. Um, I thought Sari did really Sarri, well. Yeah. yeah, I thought she played really well and she hadn't shown that before. Um, I thought Lee was really good. She, she has the quality, but she just never really got into the games prior. I thought she was quite good. So certain players have stepped up, but they can't make those mistakes at the back. They've, you know, Kohlberg, Williams and Walsh, the three, the goalkeeper and the two centre-backs, they need to be safe. They need to be concrete. And they they really weren't. They were the weakest probably unit of the team, unfortunately. And moving on to another team who lost their heads a little bit was Reading nil, Man City three. Um, Emma, I know you're good friend, so I don't want to say too much, but it it wasn't a great match for Emma McCandy. She two on goal. You know what though? She was doing so well. She was doing so well. Sorry, I have to plug myself in here. The battery's left. <laughs> uh, she was doing so, so well. In the first half, I thought she had a great half because obviously I'm watching her. And then 
Oh, it's just oh. such bad luck, wasn't it? It was just such bad luck. I felt really bad for her. The first one wasn't so bad. You know, she was stretching. She's left-footed. Mm. Probably could speak about her body position. But it was bad luck. And and she said, she said it herself. She goes, it was the best goal I'll ever score. <laughs> and, you know, Emma's got a great personality. She can take it. But she was absolutely devastated after the yeah. game. Like... The second one, she was like, Emma, my head was gone. My head was gone. She came <laughs> off uh, the goalkeeper. And I'm not going to say where it hit her, but she said she couldn't control it whatsoever. Absolutely devastated. But actually, I actually thought she had a great game. And I said that to her and she's like, yeah, but people just see the goals, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, they will. <laughs> they will. <laughs> but... Well, she was definitely one of the players that was working the hardest out of that Reading team. Like a lot of them were just, like we were saying during Team of the Week, so many of them were just standing back, letting like, say for Bunny Shaw's goal, like Lauren Hemp dribbled it through like the midfield, the defence, out to Mary Fowler on the corner. She was given so much time and space to deliver that ball in. And even the header from Bunny Shaw, it wasn't even the best header in the world. Like she was just completely open and empty and just knocked it in. I feel a bit sorry for the back line. Like Dan Caldwell did well as well. They were fighting. I feel sorry for them because it's the midfield and the forwards who are letting them down. They really let them down. They don't hold the ball. As soon as the defence get the ball and give it, and they don't give the ball away like too bad, they do try to pass and play out. Nobody holds it up for them. The ball's straight back in on them. And they're under pressure the whole time. And this is a team that maybe need to look at their manager because I think just they're completely demoralized. They're losing games. They look completely shattered. Like that's what you think in a game like that, you think, right, we're up against city. They're a better quality team. Let's bank up the midfields, make sure that they're really solid. And like you say, they just didn't work hard enough. And that's, there's no excuse for that. So that that's like all of those girls are well able to run and should be willing to run. So that's a mental thing. Yeah, yeah. Grab a hold of them in some way, and it should it should be the manager, um, really. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's something that the club need to look at because this Reading has always been a good club. They've always had strong players. They've been up there. That you know, players like Fran Kirby, Farrah Williams, and they still have some decent players. They needed to sign more. They didn't. So they need to to basically bank up and and ask their players to work and the players aren't working. What do you do? Usually change the manager. Another one bites the dust. Is that what we're calling? Are we going to get off this recording? (laughs) Someone else will be gone. (laughs) We'll say she needs to go, but she'll stay for the rest of the season. Um, um, We kind of mentioned her a bit during the team of the week, but Lauren Hemp, again, a great match. I know, Again, wasn't up against all that much defense, but evolved in 13 goals in 13 games. It's not exactly a, a bad outcome for any player. Yeah, she's she's rapid, isn't she? She's just so good on the ball. Um, so brave on the ball. You know, I just love that she just attacks games. Um, I'd hate to be marking her. I'd absolutely oh, Karen, you would have been well able for her. You would have been got you would have stepped in before she even got on the ball. You reckon? What would I have done when she had me for pace then? Would have taken your head off. (laughs) (laughs) She's quality. Nobody can mark her. We've seen her in the Euros. Nobody can actually stand up and mark her. In fact, the only player that I've ever seen do a good job on her, if not had a better game, was Ona Baje. And it's the only player in the league that can do it. Was that in the Euros? 
in the Euros yeah, and I thought the... she was really good that Betty in that game in the Euros. Yeah. And also in last season, mm-hmm. uh, the two games they played, I thought Ona was really, really good. And I actually thought she had a better game than than Hempo. But she's class. She's just so quick. She's left, right foot. She turns in and out. You don't know where she's going to go. An absolute nightmare, obviously, to mark. She scores goals. She puts amazing crosses in. She's absolutely brilliant player. The only problem with Hempo is when she's playing against a good player, there doesn't seem to be anything like a plan B. What do you do if this player is, is you know, marking you well, is reading the game well? You need something else. And she does struggle with that a little bit. But of course, she'd be in your team every every week. But yeah, just I think she's going to get a serious amount of assists this year with Bunny Shaw in the box as that kind of target player. Fantasy football dream. Yeah. But speaking of City and we're speaking of Reading coming into this game, it should have been a game for Reading that they were motivated for looking at the team sheet from City. I mean, Gareth Taylor has changed his team so many times, which I will never understand, by the way. I'm just like an old school consistent. It's always been his MO though as well. Like that's literally season after season. He just doesn't seem to be able to settle. And a lot of the time, because there's so many players coming in and out that he actually just can't settle on a team. Yeah, but you have to get your basics. I mean, we've seen teams change around the league, but you always have the same goalkeeper. You all usually have the same back four, if not the same center backs, at least. And it just changes it all, all, all the time. Like I know Ellie Roebuck, the, the goalkeeper is having a bad time at the moment. Like she can be way better. Obviously her confidence levels are down and then he changes her, which her. I think is, I mean, it depends on how she takes it. She could be like, right, I'm going to prove myself. Or she can be like, what do I do now? I don't feel good enough, whatever. Um, you know, and that's, is, you know, it's not really great for her. And then, of course, you have Esme Morgan coming in centre back. Whereas Steph Houghton, like, she didn't get a minute. It's really difficult for these players. So I just, I'm not sure his way of thinking. And I hope, I just hope that, these players, uh, you know, the conf- they are being spoken to and he yeah. helps them with the confidence because I think it's um, it's a big shame for some of these players sitting on the bench. Well, I think Roebuck in particular is such an interesting case study where you consider where she was like a year, year and a half ago. You know, it was very much tipped to be England's starting goalkeeper. She got that injury that kept her out for a while. Since she, the time she's played for City since, she just seems to have lost a little bit of the spark or as I say, maybe just seemed a little bit of the confidence. And I don't know... Like she's been in City long enough and she's been working with Gareth Taylor long enough that you would think if he did have the capability to carry her through or the team there had the capability of carrying her through somewhere, it should be starting to see that a little bit more from her because she is so good. Like there's no denying it that she had the potential. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? For a manager, when do you change your goalkeeper? Because if you make that decision, for me, it's you're making a decision for the rest of the season because it's really difficult to pull the goalkeeper back up to the confidence levels. And you have to kind of trust your goalkeeper and stick with them, especially if they're down. And obviously he's made that decision. And I think Sandy's a very good goalkeeper. Um, don't get me wrong, but it was very obvious. Ellie's a fantastic goalkeeper. You know, last season she was incredible. She was one of the best goalkeepers I had seen. Um, 
but she has dropped in form and it is because she was out for such a long time with that calf injury, having come back from the Olympics, overplayed again, um, I think, no break, come straight back in to, to start the league and the calf just kept getting worse and worse. So it's a real shame for her because <clears throat> I feel like she couldn't help what happened and it's from playing with England and coming back straight into playing with for City. Um, but that's up to the goalkeeping coach. It's not even up to Taylor because usually the managers don't really bother with us goalkeepers. They leave it to the goalkeeping coach. So the pressure's on him to get her back up there. And to turn our attentions to the top of the league table, words I love to say whenever it's coming to Arsenal, uh, Leicester nil, Arsenal four. Um, I mean, another record broken for Arsenal this season. They weren't all that happy after conceding, so I'd say they'll be pretty happy that this one has been maintained. Not all that unsurprising considering who they were playing. And uh, unfortunate for Willie Kirk coming in, obviously Lydia Bedford left on Thursday and then him as he was director of women's and girls football came in as acting manager. He said it himself, he's like, that's not the ideal way to start your term. So I don't think anyone really expected anything from them. And I'd say he's happy enough that he has his international break now to kind of settle the stalls a little bit. Yeah, no, it was it was the worst team you could have played. He said themselves that he they're Arsenal are the best team in Europe at the moment, and hard to argue with it. I think when they got the two early goals, they were just in cruise control. If they wanted to step it up, they could have made all the subs that they needed. Um, yeah, routine routine win for Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lovely little goal from Steph Catley, someone that we have talked about quite a lot on the podcast the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, sorry from a corner. What do we think of that? Nice Olympico. <laughs> I mean, you have to look at the goalkeeper again, straight from a corner, don't you? That was the first thing I thought when I saw it go in. I was like, I was going to have things to say about this goalkeeper. Always, always, always. You have to look at the goalkeeper in, in those instances. But the thing is, there's pressure on um, Lavelle because she was getting you know, kind of squashed in there. The initial movement from Blackstenius, Lavelle went forward when that's the killer. As soon as you make that tiny little step forward, it's very difficult to go back. Um, But great corner, wasn't it? Absolutely great corner. So we'll give her dues. Um, but Arsenal herself, she was just kind of like, Whoop, I can't believe yeah. I did that. Yeah, she was like, Did it go in? Yeah, um, Arsenal just look great, don't they? In fact, they're the only really team. It's funny because I had switched from watching El Clasico, the Barca Femini against uh, Real Madrid, straight into the WSL, and I'm thinking, Whoa, the difference! It's a big difference, like the style of play. Mm. You know, the Spanish they love to play, keep the ball very very much Barca style. And Arsenal are the only team that I, I can see that play like through the thirds, play really lovely football, build up. They have their their system, their method of play. And I just think they're such a joy to watch. And even Katie back there, it was lovely to watch those balls that she was playing through for Callum Ford and just yeah. lovely balls into those areas. 
really, really nice, even if she doesn't get forward, which which is what we do want to see. I thought she had a great game at left back. So yeah, she definitely would have been in team of the week for me. Mm. I think interesting as well, this Arsenal team in opening six games, they've had 10 different scores. They're not reliant on any one person in the team. It seems to be very much spread out, which is something that they have struggled with in previous seasons. You know, you're looking at the likes of say Medima and she's yes. scoring everything, which, which is fine. No one's going to complain about it, but... I think having that versatility and variety is really important, especially when you're looking at wanting to go to the latter stages of the Champions League, FA Cup and the league itself. Mm-hmm. I think and so. Right. I think that's where Chelsea just pipped them previously. They just seem to have a little bit more firepower, but I think like the goals are coming from everywhere for Arsenal at the moment. And Bannum has been unbelievable. Mead's assist for Ford's goal was cracking as well. Um, Ford works so hard. She's again. She'd be a nightmare to to mark. Yeah, they're just. If you think about any other team who lost two huge players, as in uh, Viv- Vivian Medema and Kim Little, mm. they fall apart a little bit. But they, just nothing phases them. I mean, Jordan Nobbs is a great player. We spoke about her a couple of weeks ago. Why are you still at Arsenal if you're not playing? Yeah. And this is why, <laughs> because if something does happen, someone gets injured, she's straight in there. And and it looks like she's been playing all season, to be quite honest. Um, it, it'd be interesting to see, because Arsenal do this as well. They do they do really well in spells. And then they, they mess up after a break, after an international break or after a Christmas break. Um, so they need to be consistent and be hungry, like every single game looking for those points. Yeah, especially hmm. with Chelsea now hot on their heels again. Yeah, and they have, I think their next game is against United, which will be interesting considering the result against them at the weekend. And then they're into a fairly okay run. I think it's like Everton, which could be a tricky one, to all things depending, Aston Villa, and then they'll have Chelsea on the 15th of January. So that'll probably be the big one, depending on how the others go, that they'll be looking forward to. Speaking of Chelsea... Emma, we have questioned for weeks now how United would do when they came across a big team and they did exactly what they've done every season, which is crumble, sadly. I it mean, mistakes. Was... I was really surprised to see the amount of mistakes from both teams, to be honest. Um, but United, you know, they can't afford, they're not the team that can make the mistakes and then get themselves back together. No, they they did crumble. I mean, I felt a bit sorry for Millie Turner because I thought she'd had a decent game. Yeah, it was a poor mistake though. But yeah, it's, a, it's a bad, bad mistake. Like you don't see many of them anymore. Um, and I just thought, I mean, I spoke about the two midfields, really, uh, not playing through the, the, the thirds. Um, Chelsea do have a better midfield and they actually are trying to play through midfield a little bit more. But at the end of the day, they're getting their... Their, their goals come from... Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're skipping. They're just playing over the top and it, it works for them, you know. But um, I just thought the big players from Chelsea, which happened last season as well, stand up and are accounted for. Whereas the big players for United didn't really do that. I mean, I thought Russo did really well. She might have been in my team of the week. I thought she was excellent. Yeah, she she actually gave Bryce a a bit of a run around. I thought she exposed her for pace a good bit. I would have told Russo, get on Bright, just put pressure on her the whole game because for me... 
Bright, who was in team of the week, didn't have a good game at all. She looked very, very shaky. She looked shaky. Yeah. No, Russo did she did very well considering it's her first game back as well. But yeah, I was disappointed. They probably had to sober off after 75 just after the goal. Maybe she could have gotten another chance. Like she took the goal really well. Again, yeah. that was a mistake though. Chelsea mistake. I know. Away in the dangerous area. Mistakes, just silly, silly mistakes. And from experienced players as well. Um, but um, Mark would have been told she'd get 75 minutes first game back. This is another thing that wouldn't have happened in our day, Karen. <laughs> There's no such thing as 75 minutes. You play, if you're playing well, you stay on. But coming back from injury, of course, her time would have been limited. And of course, Galton as well, who I'd love to see step up in these big games, uh, didn't really. But again, she was quite busy with um, Lauren James, but also speaking about Lauren, J- Lauren James, I thought they did really well to keep her quiet in the first half. And I think Hayley Ladd did really in it in the first well. half. I mean, possession wise, I think it was pretty even. It's just Chelsea were just so much more aggressive in the final third than United. Smart yeah, I mean, I didn't see any passage of play where either team like cut Both through them. Apart. Yeah, I think United missed Garcia as well. Oh yeah, big time. That was a that was unfortunate. I mean, they're missing Ona, Baje, and Garcia. The two that's spy- been their main kind of threat from the start of the mm-hmm. season. That's the link up that I love watching the most on that United team is that mm-hmm. right hand side. But yeah. yeah, so they definitely missed that. Yeah, it's such a shame because uh, Lucia did did her hamstring not too bad, but did her hamstring in the pre match warm up. So there wasn't even chance to work on it. Like or you know. Yeah. You know, bring Paris in. She came in at the last minute, who didn't do too badly either. But I just think those little things really disrupt United and, and they can't afford things like that. There is still a gap, isn't there? Like between there, Chelsea and United, there is still a gap. There is a gap because the experience and that cutthroatness from Chelsea is a big thing. And they also have that option to just pump it up to, to Sam Kerr, who's going to do something. Whereas, and, and Russo can be that player, but United are trying to play. They don't really have that swag about them that they're just going to like pump it up and hopefully they get a goal because they want to try and play. Mm. Um, whereas Chelsea are like, right, we know how to win it and we're going to do it dirty. This is what we're good at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So what will Mark Skinner and United be looking to change ahead of the Arsenal game? Because that's obviously going to be a pretty important one. I mean, it's funny the way things change. They were top of the table, unbeaten, and all of a sudden they're in third. I know Chelsea have a game in hand, which, you know, if they won that, they would put them both on 18 points. But it's uh, it just shows how quickly things can change in the WSL with such a few amount of games. Every single one is really, really important. Yeah. I think they need to acknowledge that Arsenal are a better team and probably play to stop Arsenal as opposed to trying to impose in their own game on it. I mean, they're doing really well doing in attack against the teams that they, they should be beating and are better than now. Um, but Arsenal are too good to just go out and play against. So I think they need to kind of... The mistakes obviously are, are need to be cut out, but not even put themselves in the position to make those mistakes. I mean, don't overplay it out from the back. Uh, Chelsea's press was good now, to be fair, but again, just it was too easy for them. Yeah. I mean, the one thing they can look at is the weak points in Arsenal are the fullbacks. As much as I love Katie, um, she's a fantastic player. She's not a left back. And if she comes up against a top, top um, attacking player like Lucia Garcia and Ona, who will be back at that time, 
um, I think she'll be pinned back and she won't be able to go forward. That's going to create problems for Arsenal. Um, as well, down the right-hand side, then, you know, Galton can be very dangerous. It just depends if they're brave enough to push those players high enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, midfield. Midfield are going to be sitting back defending. Mm-hmm. Just as we're talking here, some news has just come out in the last while. Lauren Hemp and Jordan Nobbs are out of the England camp with minor injuries. So <laughs> I hope we haven't cursed either player by talking about how well they have played. Or Jordan in particular, I think, especially for Arsenal's sake, hopefully she is not um, out for the long term because I feel like they do need her at the moment. Final game that actually happened over the weekend uh, did see another loss for Liverpool. They lost 1-0 to Aston Villa. And then we also had Tottenham and Everton postponed because of a waterlogged pitch, which is not what we want to see in a league of this quality. Um, As Meg Finnegan said on Twitter, she, I think she said like professionalism and like the, the emoji with the long nose, the Pinocchio. Uh, and Izzy Christensen was also giving off about it, that she was very disappointed about it. And it doesn't bode well for women's football wanting to be elite visible with fan bases growing by the week. Especially, I mean, Spurs Everton being cancelled two hours before the match kicks off. It's not exactly helpful to fans or anyone who would probably mid their way there already. Um, but yeah, there isn't really too much more you can say about that apart from you would hope that the league would put some more things in place. And this is probably the danger of playing at pitches that are from the fourth tier in English football rather than, you know, something a little bit higher up. I'd like to know what they did to prepare for that game. I mean, in the high of the groundsman, what they did differently to prepare on the Friday night than the Saturday night, because a game went ahead there uh, yesterday. So after there was training and things like that. So I'd like to know how they prepare. Do they prepare the same way if there is a a man's game than a women's game, if they prepare the exact same? Because... Games don't get called off at the Hive. It doesn't happen. So, I mean, we I haven't heard of that in such a long time. And it's a great stadium. It's a great pitch. They really look after it. So I, I'd like to know if they... Did it doesn't happen in our league even. Like, And we're not professional. There's absolutely no excuse for it not happening. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, well, it wasn't called off, but we saw kind of similar enough or pitch at Crawley Town for the Chelsea and Brighton game a couple of weeks ago as well. So it was kind of interesting that it is creeping in a little bit, maybe this consistently, because after everything that happened during the summer, England winning the Euros, everyone pushing the WSL for the league that it is, you would think that this is the sort of publicity that no one wants on their hands. Um, or at least make sure you give the opposition time like the fans traveling down that's that I think that's the the biggest thing I mean it happens it can happen waterlogged pitches but if there's a game there on the Saturday maybe they have to do extra stuff you know work a little bit extra to to make sure it's okay for the Sunday Well, guys, thank you very much once again. We will be, even though it is an international break, we will be back next week with a podcast where we will be doing an ACL special, talking to some people who work in the field of studying and understanding why these injuries actually happen and particularly why they are so high within women's footballers and any updates out of the Ireland camp, we will also be bringing those to you. Uh, Thank you all very much. And we will chat to you next week. 
The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. 